Hello, and welcome back for another episode of our PS346 podcast, Studio Scoop, where our talented hosts and co-hosts interview some of the amazing people on staff we get a chance to interact with on a daily basis. I am Mrs. Bonin, your podcast moderator. On today's episode, we interview Ms. Carolyn Quintana, Deputy Chancellor of Teaching and Learning, Ms. Christina Fati, Chief Executive Director of Special Education, and Ms. Stephanie Jamillo, Associate Director of Special Projects here in New York City. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we hear about some of the new and exciting initiatives happening within the New York City Department of Education. Hello and welcome to another episode of Studio Scoop. My name is Risa and I'm your PS346 Student Government President. My name is Ileana and I'm your PS346 Vice President in Student Government. Hello, my name is Kyan and I am a student in the fifth grade ASD class. Today we are here with Ms. Fati, the Chief of Special Education for the Department of Education, and Ms. Quintana, the Deputy Chancellor of Teaching and Learning. Hi. Hello, Ms. Fati and Ms. Quintana. Thank you for joining us today. Ms. Fati, as the Chief of Education for Special Education in New York City, could you please explain your roles and responsibility? Sure. Thank you for having us today. So as Chief of of Special Education, I oversee special education services to New York City public school students, both in our public schools, but also our charter schools and um, our non-public schools. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of the things we do are we make sure that everybody has their occupational therapy, their physical therapy, their speech therapy. And we also make sure that everybody's IEPs are being followed. I really agree with that. Thank you. It's great how you make sure everyone is going to be comfortable inside inside of their school environment. Thank you. Thank you. How does the New York City Department of Education make sure that all students with special needs receive the best support and advice or services? That's a great question, and it's a complicated one because there are lots of different layers to it. One of the things that Chief Fodi uh, didn't mention was part of the work that she and her team do is to design really um, powerful and innovative programs that support different kinds of learners. So in schools, you may have programs like in this school, in PS346, we have a sensory exploratory education space, right? A, a yes. space. Um, and those spaces provide students with the kinds of supports they need. Maybe it's therapy, maybe it's movement, maybe it's speech, but in a space that feels comfortable. And in, in a lot of our schools, those are even open on Saturdays, so they can use them on the weekend too. We also have programs um, that are designed for the different types of needs that kids have, and they're in their local schools, so they don't have to go far away. We don't have to put kids on buses, um, but they may include a speech teacher that's part of the program yes. or a very specific kind of teaching. And so what's really important, and to answer your question best, I think not only those specialized programs, but a lot of the work that we do, not just under the special education team, under teaching and learning as a whole, is making sure that our teachers have all the strategies that they need to know 
and they have the right curriculum in front of them, and they have the right tools and technology. And then we support our districts. So like your superintendent, um, right? Uh, We support the districts uh, to make sure that their whole teams have what they need to, so that whenever your school has to either bring something new in or wants to get better at what they're doing, um, my team is there to to help and to support and provide guidance on that. Yes, that's, I really agree with that. Thank you. Um, how does the Department of Education handle the challenges and needs of students with disabilities, especially ones coming from different cultural backgrounds? Do you want to take this one? No. <laughs> um, well, there that is such a good question and a big question to answer. You know, New York City has so many different languages. And kids with um, IEPs have so many different needs. One of the things that we've been really working on, in addition to the programs that Deputy Chancellor Quintana just talked about, is is how do we get teachers and occupational therapists and physical therapists, related service providers, psychologists that speak the languages of the students and families in their schools? And so we've been doing a lot of work on that and making sure that when families come for IEP meetings, for example, um, that translation services are being used um, and that uh, assessments like tests are being done in the languages that the that kids speak. So that's one way that we've been trying to meet the needs of um, the diverse needs of our city as it relates to special education. Um, but there's so much to do on this front because it really is our job to make sure that everything that makes you who you are and makes you unique, is lifted in schools and celebrated, um, and that we meet you all in that beautiful uniqueness and make sure that we are um, creating environments where you can be really who you are and get what you need. Um, We have many cultures within our school, and we try to be as culturally inclusive as possible. That's wonderful. Good to hear. And I actually noticed some of that in your classrooms. Not only was there a diversity of students in the classrooms, um, but I saw a diversity of texts, so the different books that you might have in there. Um, And there were also lots of opportunities for students to write about themselves Mm -hmm. and to talk about themselves. And we think that's really important, too. One thing that I would add to what Chief Fodi shared just a moment ago, too, is um, when we don't have the people who actually may speak a different language or who can be the support for the families or the students, um, we use technology sometimes too. And so um, whether it's certain applications, so apps that you can access on laptops or iPads, um, or sometimes it's the use of other technologies like translation and interpretation equipment that schools have access to, uh, but there are different ways that we can actually help engage both families and students, especially if they're students who are newly arrived um, or who may need uh, some some uh, support with a read aloud or for their speech to be written into text um, while they're getting the, the kinds of supports they need to engage in the class. If I could also just add, I think that some my my name is Stephanie, uh, and you know I think also around supporting students with IEPs and students with disabilities, because not all students with disabilities have IEPs or work with a special education teacher, and so it's also our job to make sure that 
the whole school knows that supporting students with IEPs is everyone's job. And so how can we work with all of our teachers, all of our school staff to understand the different needs that students have and that special education is one part of a school, but it's part of the larger school community. How does the Department of Education raise awareness for the rights of students with special needs? Well, one way that we've been doing it, um, and it's relatively new, is that we've started a language campaign where um, we created, we had former New York City public school students and current students um, weigh in on how they want to hear people talk about disability. Um, because the way we talk about things really matters. It influences how we think about things, right? When somebody tells you you're smart, you feel great, right? And it makes you believe, helps you believe in yourself. Somebody says something that's not so nice, that doesn't really help us, right, in terms of how we feel about ourselves or think about ourselves. And um, when we use language that talks about disability, we want to make sure that we're using language that um, really highlights people's strengths, right? And that talks about people in terms of how what they are capable of doing versus what might be a place that they struggle. Um, and so we can actually send your principal the, the language guide and maybe you all can take a look at it and give us some of your thoughts and feedback. Um, but that's definitely one way we're trying to create more inclusive spaces and lift the rights of, of people with disabilities. And I love that that is a tool that was created by students for students, and it has been helping us, the adults, get better. Um, you know, and it's a, it's really easy to use, too. It's a say this, not that. But, um, I think to Chief Bodhi's point, we would love your feedback on that. Um, the other thing is that one of the, the big moves that we've made recently and that is really important for us. So we have something that we call an instructional priority that is a citywide way that we're making sure all schools are working toward the same thing. And our priority is to make sure that every student has a high quality academic experience that leads to deeper learning. And what that means is that everybody gets to go to school in a place where you are challenged, you're supported, you have um, high quality materials. So materials that are like your curriculum or the books you get to read um, or the apps that you get to use that not only meet the standards, but actually get you to think and to solve problems and to design and to work together, all of these skills that you're going to need even after school, right? And so we do all of that. And part of what we want to make sure is that the next step that we're taking is to help schools design themselves in a way that it, we're calling universal. Um, that means that no matter who is in your class, no matter what strengths or needs or um, they may have, what gifts they may bring, what challenges um, become a barrier for education for them, that no matter what, they can actually access the learning in front of them. And so we want to design universally so that everybody can be part of the same learning. So you'll notice that you have the same curriculum across all of your classrooms, but in different classrooms, you have tools that help people access because we want to make sure, and those tools should be available in every classroom. So that if I need, um, like, you know, I mentioned earlier, um, some sort of a reader for me or a speech to text application that I don't have to have it written on an IEP necessarily, that it's available for everybody. And when I do need it, I can use it. And that way I can be part of the group discussion too. 
That sounds great. We'll all love that. Thank you. But what are some upcoming projects or plans for enhancing elementary education with di- District 19? Mm. Um, I th- you know, go ahead. I was just going to say we have um, some upcoming events that uh, around inclusion. So making sure that all students, no matter their background or their what their strengths are, that they can all come together um, to learn. And so one of the things that we do at our offices is we host an inclusion summit. And this is happening at the end of March. And what that summit involves is students coming together to learn about different topics related to disability. So this year, our focus is on how to advocate in the space of disability. And so we'll have workshops with students to learn about how to do that. And then students are charged to going back to their schools to put into practice what they learn. And then a few months after that, we'll have an expo where students get to come back and show us what they've learned and what they've done. So that's one thing that we're really, really excited about. Would you all want to participate in that? Yeah. Yes. Fun, actually. Okay. Great. Something that is not necessarily tied to how we support students with disabilities, but that I think the folks in this room might be interested in is we're also in March launching Civics Week. And so we want to make sure that all of our schools are involved in Civics Week. And there are lots of ways for you to participate. Um, and it would be great that you can teach folks who maybe aren't the president and vice president or aren't part of the podcast team how to be involved in community, um, what it means to actually support your, your local community, projects that you can do as a school to help improve. So we'd love for you to get involved in Civics Week. That's in March, so keep an eye out. I'll probably be during, I'll probably be coming during that time. Great. Like I said before, that does sound like really fun. I would not want to miss that. Awesome. But, um, hi, Miss King family. Hi. Thank you for joining us today. Well, I'm happy to be here. This has been a great experience. Can you tell us what led you to your current role as Deputy, Deputy Chancellor of Teaching and Learning for New York City Schools? Sure. Um, I won't tell you the whole long story, um, <laughs> but I will tell you that um, I started out as a teacher. I always really enjoyed helping people learn. And while I was a teacher for young people, I started helping my colleagues and helping the adults around me and even um, some of the administrators that I worked with. And I realized I really liked making sure that the grownups who are part of the school system know what they need to do in order to be able to help the students have the best experience in school. And for me, it was always really, really important that we call it the ecosystem, but essentially the whole environment that is a school from the hallways that you walk, the resources you have in your classrooms, even the way your your classroom is set up in terms of desks and and directions, um, how people speak and what they how they show up in your classrooms and everything they know and they can do. And it's really, really important that people feel confident about what they know and can do, that all of that impacts how well you learn and the experience you have through school. And so I thought it was really important to commit myself to making sure that I could help people build those ecosystems so that you always can thrive, right? That you become the best versions of yourselves. And that means helping the adults, the teachers, the leaders um, really have everything they need and the knowledge and the mindsets. Um, and so I went from being a teacher to a coach to a 
principal to coach of principals um, to a district literacy person. Um, and then I was, I led the affinity district, which was a district of 100 UCC or kind of alternative schools. Um, and then I actually went outside of the Department of Ag for a little while and did some work on socio-emotional academic development because I, I understand how important that piece is to how we learn. And then I met the chancellor and was part of his transition team and was invited to come back in this role. And so all of those things led me here. Even the stuff I did when I was in high school, I volunteered to help children. I volunteered to help lead all of these training programs. I was always really interested in how you help other people grow. So that's why I'm here. Well, I hope you continue that to help people. And I hope that you also continue to thrive. Thank you. You too. But what are some challenges and opportunities you have faced while overseeing teaching, learning, and such diversity in large school districts like New York City? That is a great and complicated question. <laughs> um, so there are a lot of challenges because our system is so large. We have almost a million students in New York City public schools. Our public school system is as large as most major cities in, in the U.S., right? And so we have over 75,000 teachers. If you count those charters, we have about 1,800 schools. That's really, really big. And so whenever we go to make change, we're not talking about just your school, because change is hard just in one school, but a whole system. And so really thinking about how do we manage all of the parts from what we purchase to how we train people to the timing to how it's, you know, how people are going to receive things so that change can really happen for all the best reasons. That's a big challenge. And the way that I, I can do it is I have a fantastic team. Really, really committed, smart, passionate people who read all the time. They're always learning and growing. They go to workshops even on their own time because they want to make sure they always know what's the latest and greatest. They work with lots of really great partners, universities like NYU or cultural institutions that help us. Um, so they always have the most up-to-date information and support. And then we divvy it up. So some of the work gets done by the superintendents. Some of the work gets done by our offices. And there are different teams across our offices. Some of the work gets done by outside partners. And a lot of the work gets done at your school. So a lot of it, we really depend on fantastic teachers and principals who have great vision. And then they have to call us up when, whenever they're struggling. And our job is to give them support. So I think it's making sure that there's a strong plan, that it's aligned to research, and it has a good reason for existing, and that we make use of everybody's resources because we can't do it alone, so we can do it together. And then I check up on the things. Because otherwise, how do you know if it's going Wow, that must have been really hard to overcome. Absolutely. It's exhausting. But you know what? It matters because it impacts how well all of you get to do. So true. Worth worth our time, right? Worth our Yeah. Um uh, we recently we saw that you were recently part of the launch of the National Education Technology Plan for um New York City Schools. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about this plan? Absolutely. Also, just want to say I got to walk through the White House. That was really cool. 
Um, I got to see, didn't get to see the president or the vice president, but I saw their offices. I took pictures of their door signs because that's how cool that was. Um, no, it was actually, uh, so we launched New York City. You're really special, by the way. All of you, by being New York City students, are always at the forefront of work. And so um, we launched something called the AI Policy Lab. So um, do you know what AI is? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Yes, like it's a thing where it's like a technology thing where it could help you sometimes or it's an app to play with. Yep. So um, it, it means artificial intelligence, but it's not actually intelligent on its own. What it's doing is computing for us at a really fast pace and helping us make decisions. And that means that it can create apps that you can use that help you pull them like Siri. Exactly. You already use it sometimes. And then we have it in our schools now, too, in some places. So part of the technology plan that the the um, U.S. Department of Education put together was to make sure that everybody has access, that everybody can build awareness, um, that there are opportunities to learn about technologies, to apply them, and then to actually do some career-facing um, uh, technology work. And so for us, we put out this thing called the AI Policy Lab, because we want to make sure that every school has guidance and guardrails for how to use the technology, because it can actually lead to um, your information being out there in the public. We don't want that to happen. Um, And so it was really exciting, actually, because it means now that we get to move forward some of this work. U.S. Department of Ed is supporting us. You guys get to the first level. Schools across the nation a toolkit and then give them some policy they can use. Well, we have this new um, technology teacher, and she teaches us all about coding. Oh, fantastic. That's great. And coding is actually good for you, not just for computer purposes, but it's really good computational thinking. So, yeah. Good. How can this plan help make learning more fun and engaging for students? That's a great question. And there are lots of different levels for that. So, I'll just give you two. One is teachers can use it to help them plan. Mm -hmm. So let's say, for example, I have students who speak multiple languages. I can actually say through a large language model, right? So so something like a chat GPT, but we're using one inside of our system that's protected. Um, Help me differentiate for these different languages so that the the children can still participate in class. And the, the, the AI, right, the tool can provide you with that kind of work. That saves a teacher so much time. And a lot of that brain energy that they would have used. So instead, they can focus on each of you because now they have some tools they can use. Um, And then when they finish, they can enter some of what students produced and say, give me feedback either on my teaching or give me feedback that I should give to students. And so, again, something that that moves very quickly for students. One of the ways one of the um, pilots that we have going on right now, um, if you're in our math curriculum, for example, a student finishes a lesson and they're struggling with something, our pilot uh, tool is giving them specific things that they can do to say, like, hey, you know how you can get better at fractions? How it goes. Or try this and then come back. And so the child can actually say, I'm struggling with, or tells them, 
and then get help that they can use. So they become more independent. You become confident. Um, so we're using technology in those ways. And then there's some really exciting things that you can do. Because there's creativity and innovation. That's really cool. I think so. And it's moving quickly, so stay with it. How does having access to the internet and technology at home and at school make learning more better for students? Do either of you want to tackle that? I, I can keep going. Sure. I, I, think, I think that the internet and technology have an amazing ability to bring people in uh, that have different backgrounds and different skill levels. Mm -hmm. And it really allows people access to things that they haven't had access to in the past. And so with the internet, you're able to research and you're able to discover things that maybe are outside of your city or outside of your country. Um, and you're able to find tools that can help support your learning and your curiosity because there's just so much out there. And so I think that um, technology and the internet really also have a way to connect us, right? Like mm -hmm. you're using these tools to then connect you to someone that may be all the way around the world that has a totally different experience and yet you can find those commonalities. So like not only does like this technology help you learn, but it but you can also like have fun because there's some things that you might be curious of and they might make um, learning more fun. You are exactly correct. Finally, what are some of the current or future goals of the Department of Education to improve uh, the condition of special education in New York City schools? So I love that question. And part of what we're doing to improve special education in New York City schools is improving general education in New York City schools. Because um, if we do teaching and learning well, if we do a good job at te of teaching you all, um, it will look like every single kid is able to achieve at really, really high levels. Um, but special education shouldn't really always be that special. special. You know, all kids should have access to high level instruction, to incredible books, to incredible conversation, and to things like we saw today, like that tap into your interests and your opinions. So whether it's making podcasts or learning about drones, um, you know, Deputy Chancellor Quintana is really committed to, and so we're all, we, uh, all of we, to um, deeper learning and experiences that go beyond um, sitting at desks and just listening to teachers right? Because that's not really how any of us want to learn, right? We want to dive deeply into experiences that are fun and engaging and yeah. that push our thinking and push our perspectives so that we see thing, we see content and people in different ways. Um, so those are all really exciting things that we're up to, uh, to improve how we teach and well learn in New York City public schools. One thing I would add is, um, you know, Earlier, we talked about one of the ways that we do this work is, is with other people who help us think through things. So Chief Fodi and her team actually convened a special education yeah. advisory council. And that advisory council had all kinds of people from different places. So parents, students, university partners, experts, and they gave us some recommendations on how to improve. And so that's part of what we're doing. That was one of the recommendations. So we're going to use their recommendations 
as as critical feedback for us, and we're going to get better that way with their help. Well, we cannot thank all of you enough for taking the time to talk with us today about the New York City Department of the Education. Thank you for helping to make our schools a better place for all students. And thank you for being a part of Studio Scoop. Bye. 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 Thank you. I hope so. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed today's episode with our special guests. Stay tuned for more episodes of Studio Scoop coming your way. 